What the fuck is this shit? What the? Wait a minute. What the fuck? It's Halloween. It ain't fucking Christmas. Motherfucking Mariah You listen here, bitch. It ain't fucking Christmas yet. And I fucking hate carols. Especially that motherfucking Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. Oh. Music and murder contains violence. Oh profanity, and graphic material that may not be suitable for children or people with weak stomachs. Parental advisory is definitely recommended. That song just gives me an erection every single time I hear it. So happy Halloweeny from Michael D. Keeney. It's almost the Mariah Carey season, so you best fucking enjoy the night. Now this is the first time in over two years that I've ever put out an episode in one week. So I hope that you guys enjoy it because I did work my ass off on it. This was going to be episode 26 but I figured I'm going to make the top serial killer that I've ever studied episode 26. So this is now the Halloween special episode. So we're going to go in order from my third favorite to my most favorite killer that I like the research and study of all time. All of which I have never done an episode on yet. But my top favorite gets their own episode. And that'll be episode 26. For today's episode, we will be covering my third and second favorite. So let's dive right into this muff, shall we? And no, that's not a vaginal reference. Vaginas are all bald these days, silly. It's a reference to a guitar pedal called the Big Muff. Get your mind out of the fucking gutter so we can talk serial killers, okay? Fuck. My infatuation with murderers began when I was a teenager, and forensic files started. We didn't have no internet, but man, I never will forget the way the sunlight shined through her hair. Oh wait, I'm sorry, that's a Kid Rock song. And I meant simply that we didn't have any internet. Thus, I had to start reading books. And these were pretty much the only books that I read. In high school, I always had the good drugs. So while doing lines, drinking, and smoking weed, I always made sure that everyone felt really uncomfortable by bringing up the subject of killers. I would make sure everyone around me knew what the difference was between serial and spree killers, and I would drop names like Bundy and Dahmer and Gacy and so on, right? It really made a lot of people feel very uncomfortable, and lucky for me, I was born with the ability to not give two fucks about that. 
and not much has changed. But luckily now I have an audience that actually appreciates when I discuss this type of stuff, so I am very appreciative of that. So my third favorite serial killer of all time to study is Albert Fish. He was born Hamilton Howard Fish on May 19, 1870, in the area that you may know of called Washington, D.C. Albert Fish was said by police to have killed about three people over the span of eight years. 1924 to 1932 is when he was supposedly, allegedly active. They believe that he could have killed up to 10 and that he began killing people when he was 54 years old. Now, I call 100% bullshit. There is no possible way, no possible way that this man wasn't killing people in his 20s. If you ask me, I would estimate that his body count would be around 30, and I would say his first kill was sometime around the age of 25. Now speaking of body count real fast, the band, Ernie C, the guitarist, is an old friend of mine, and he actually produced one of my records in 2001 after he finished producing a Black Sabbath album. Now Ernie C is the one that wrote the controversial song Cop Killer that even President W. Bush talked about. I will have him on here soon. Now Mr. Fish moved from Washington DC to New York when he was just 20 years old and was known to be a male prostitute and rapist before he was even 22 years old. And in my opinion, Fish began masturbating while thinking about killing people likely before he was even 12 and he was likely abusing and killing animals before he was even 13. Mr. Fish was also arrested and convicted for larceny in 1903, which means that he was a career criminal and he likely got off on actually breaking the law. And I mean that in a literal sense. If it was illegal, he wanted to do it just because it was illegal. He was a prostitute, he didn't pay taxes, he was a thief, he was a rapist, he was a serial killer, and oh yeah, he was also a cannibal, which we will get into very soon. I wish we had time to go over everything that I know about this man, but it would be a three-part series of episodes and all of them would probably be about two, three hours long. There are plenty of documentaries and YouTube shit that you can watch if you really are interested in learning about this guy. Now, Mr. Fish was also known by other names, or monikers if you will, such as the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, the Gray Man, and also the Boogeyman. Yeah, Albert left quite the impression and contribution to the true crime community, and a whole lot of questions that we will not ever be able to answer. Albert Fish was an extremely evil and complicated human being. He did things to this day that are just fucking unbelievable to think about. For instance, one of his young female victims that he literally ate left him with an uncontrollable urge to write her mother a letter. Because of course for him, it wasn't merely enough to have just eaten this poor woman's daughter. Not at all. 
he needed to make sure that she knew exactly what happened, right? Fish initially went to a Manhattan home on 406 West 15th Street in efforts to try to kill a boy who was looking for work in the country. He found the boy's ad in the Sunday edition of the New York World newspaper. At this time, Fish was already 58 years old. This is highly rare to find an active serial killer at that age. Extremely rare. Most begin to lose their desire to kill around 40 to 50 years old, but of course these numbers are not backed up by research or science, because it's very hard to study serial killers that haven't been caught, and if they've been caught, well, they're in prison, so they can't go out and kill anybody, right? And killing people in prison comes with a lot of politics. It's not as easy as you would think. Especially in California where about 70% of all incarcerated males are officially affiliated with a gang. And when they're affiliated, they, well, they have a bigger chance of being killed by their own gang than they do from a civilian that's not in a gang. Politics are everywhere. Now of course I'm going to read you the letter that I spoke about. And I do want to state that I'm actually rereading the letter because although I never did an episode on Mr. Fish, I did read this letter in 2021 for that Halloween, uh, that Halloween episode, which the whole episode was just uh, basically letters. But here it is, and before I begin, I would like to state that letters such as these are extremely rare. Killers do like to fuck with and taunt the police, However, I've only heard of three cases in total where a killer actually taunted the family, especially the mother of one of their victims, by writing a detailed letter. And none of those three, except for this one, had anything to do with cannibalism, much less discussing how the child was cooked and eaten. This is an extremely graphic letter, so don't say that I didn't warn you. Oh, and just real quick, this letter was in regards to the kidnapping and murder of 10-year-old Grace Budd, which occurred on May 28, 1928. Six and a half long years later, in November of 1934, Budd's mother, who was illiterate and could not read this letter herself, had her son Edward, who was actually Mr. Fish's initial target, read it to her. My dear Mrs. Budd, in 1894, a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer Tacoma, Captain John Davis. They sailed from San Francisco to Hong Kong, China. On arriving there, he and two others went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was a famine in China. Meat of any kind was from a dollar to three dollars per pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under the age of 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go into any shop and ask for chops, steak or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a girl or boy would be brought out and just what you wanted cut from it. 
A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet, brought the highest price. John stayed there so long that he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven and one eleven, took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them to a bed in a closet, and then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night he spanked them, tortured them, to make sure their meat was good and tender. First he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and of course the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except the head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, all of his ass boiled, broiled, fried, stewed. The little boy was next, went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 East 100th Street, rear right side. He told me so often how good human flesh was, I made up my mind that I wanted to taste it. On Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you a pot cheese, strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind that I wanted to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, you said yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester. I had already picked it out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and I called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her and she said that she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her into small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook it, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her. I could have. I wished. She died a virgin. Now this letter did have one good aspect to it. It was actually what led the police to pursue and capture Albert Fish. The date that he put in there was wrong and that could have been on purpose. Some say that Albert Fish wrote it as a confession and a way to turn himself in all at the same time. Many speculate that he had no intention of ever turning himself in and that he wrote the letter to satisfy his evil desire to further torture this family while reliving the crime. Albert never did disclose his reason for sending the letter. He only disclosed that it was true and the police confirmed that it was in fact true. What are your thoughts? 
feel free to send me a message on IG at music underscore murder underscore podcast and let me know what you think. My personal thought is that the latter is true. I do not think for one second that Albert Fish ever wanted to be caught and I do believe that he absolutely loved reliving killing and eating this girl via this letter. The only thing that makes me have any doubts at all is how he made sure to emphasize the fact that he didn't rape the girl and he stated and emphasized that she died a virgin. He was 62 when he wrote this letter, or at least when he sent it, and he was 58 when he killed an 8-10-year-old Grace Bud. So maybe he did molest her and do other sexual acts, but perhaps he just couldn't get erect and he was actually upset that he couldn't get erect and rape her. Remember in the letter he did say, I wish. Now the portion of the letter regarding Captain Davis and the famine in Hong Kong couldn't be proven of course, but like I said, police were able to confirm that the rest was true. Many people who research Albert Fish kinda get lost in this letter and make it out to be his main serial killer legacy if you will. However, there are many deeply troubling and complex issues with Mr. Fish. To begin with, once he was in police custody via the letter, Fish made no attempt to deny the fact that he did, in fact, kill Grace Budd. Fish stated that he initially meant to kill her brother Edward. Fish stated, and I quote, It never even entered my head to rape the girl. End quote. Although Mr. Fish did tell his lawyer that while kneeling on Grace's chest and strangling her, he did ejaculate two times, which could have also kept him from later sexually assaulting the young girl, because after a 58-year-old man has two orgasms, he's not going to be going for a third one anytime soon. Now this information was used at the trial to make the claim the kidnapping was sexually motivated, thus avoiding any mention of cannibalism. And that is fucking just insane. This guy literally eats a 10 year old girl and tells his lawyer he came while killing her so it's like the cannibalism never even occurred. Are you seriously fucking kidding me? Not to mention that his lawyer shouldn't have even disclosed that information because it's incriminating evidence that was legally protected under client-lawyer privilege. I'm definitely not sticking up for Albert Fish. I'm just saying that if his own lawyer is snitching him off, that's really not a good thing for the American legal system. If lawyers began snitching off their own clients in America, 99% of the American population would all be in prison. Now, Mr. Fish was one of the biggest sadists that I've ever studied. In fact, he was the most sadistic person that I've ever studied. And yes, more sadistic than Gacy, Dahmer, Kemper, Bundy, Ramirez. All of those people had sexual or monetary motives. Fish just wanted to destroy everything that he could. He even destroyed himself, believe it or not. When Mr. Fish was apprehended on Tuesday, December 13th at the age of 62, they did an x-ray on him after he complained about stomach issues while in prison. What they found absolutely caught the medical staff 
completely off guard. They counted an astonishing 29 needles. 29 needles lodged in Fish's pelvic region, which in layman terms is his taint, the area between his asshole and ball sack. Yes, this motherfucker stuck 29 needles into his taint so far that they stayed there inside of his body. Now you kind of see why this man is number three on my most interesting people that I've ever witnessed. As far as oddities, he's actually number one. But to me, oddities are just oddities, and after you get past them, it's more of just a novelty. And Fish had an immense family history of mental illness, and he did many things to conclude that he was seriously mentally ill as fuck. Including, of course, the never-ending I'm the return of Jesus Christ thing that we see over and over again. These days, if you smoke like two bowls of crystal meth, all of a sudden you think you're Jesus. It's fucking insane. Literally. Allegedly, Mr. Fish never owned a firearm, which means that all of his victims were killed by needles and blades of all sorts. He was known to carry around a little kit that he called his implements of hell, which consisted of a butcher knife, a small handsaw, and a meat cleaver. Now he'd also killed or at least tortured people with a paddle that had nails sticking out of one side. He was also covered with scars, indicating that he used this paddle on himself many, many times. His back and legs and groin area was just covered with self-inflicted scars. Cut my life into pieces, this is my last resort. Yeah, that song was written about Albert Fish, whether Papa Roach knew it or not. Strangest thing about Mr. Fish was that he had six children that we know about and he allegedly never hurt any of his own children and allegedly he never killed anyone till after all six of his children were born. See where I'm going with this? It's called projection. Like Danny Rowling and Ted Bundy, this guy, at least when he killed children, was possibly killing his own children over and over again inside of his distorted mind. Albert Fish was finally killed by the electric chair on January 16, 1936, at the ripe age of 65. As all of the metalheads would say, fucking dude rode the lightning. Everything he did to himself didn't kill him. He helped the executioner place the electrodes on his body, and his final dying words were, as he rode the lightning, I don't even know why I'm here. Oh, and one last thing about Albert Fish's self-infliction. On many occasions, he would take a piece of wool. He would douse that wool in lighter fluid and literally stick that piece of wool about six to seven inches up his ass and light his own asshole on fire. 
and he still lived to be 60 fucking five. And even then, he had to be executed. Now, it's not every day that you hear about a dude setting his own asshole on fire. Think about that for a second. I'll be right back with number two.
Number two on my list is Edward Theodore Gain. You might know him better as simply Ed Gain. Now Ed had a few monikers just like Albert Fish. Ed was known as the Butcher of Plainfield, the Plainfield Ghoul, and the Mad Butcher. Now in case you didn't know where Plainfield is, which just means you don't live there, because nobody else does know, it is in Wisconsin, where the cheese and the cheeseheads roam freely. Ed was born close to the time that Albert Fish was born. He popped out of his mama Augusta on August 27, 1906, though he did not really ever come out of his mother. He really just stayed kind of inside of her. You know what I mean? You feel me? Now before we begin with Ed's crimes, because unlike with Albert Fish, we do know for a fact how many people Gain killed, and exactly what his murders entailed. Because Gain lived in a town with maybe a hundred people, so it wasn't difficult to notice when someone went missing. Let's first discuss what his crimes influenced in American culture because it's not the body count or quantity of the ghoulish crimes that Gain committed. It's the things that he did while committing those crimes that puts him as my number two on my naughty list. Just a Mariah Carey shout out. Fuck that goddamn motherfucking whore. I'm starting to think that Joe doesn't like Mariah Carey and maybe doesn't even like Christmas, okay. So first of all, remember how I said Ed Gain never left his mother? Not really anyway. Well, Ed Gain was the sole influence of the movie and series Psycho, which if you remember, Ed would kill women that stayed at his hotel while having a split personality that made him believe that he became his mother at night and he made a room in the hotel for his mother to basically just let her decompose and rot because he couldn't let her go. No, I'm gonna go into detail on all things Ed Gain, but here's a list of movies that are inspired by Ed Gain. Serial Killer Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs, Deranged, in the Light of the Moon, basically every Rob Zombie movie and every Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, Con Air, the season of the American Horror Story titled Asylum, multiple movies about himself with his name in the title, and my favorite, The Ed Gain Musical, which came out in 2007. Yes, there was a fucking musical named after this guy. Fucking wow. And people paid a fortune to go see it. A fucking fortune. I'm sure that the tickets were like seven, eight hundred dollars because it premiered on fucking Broadway. Now, in the movie with Christian Bale, American Psycho, he quotes Ed Gain by saying, When I see a pretty girl walking down the street, I think two things. One part of me wants to take her out, talk to her, be real nice and sweet, and treat her right, and the other part wonders what her head would look like on a stick. But this was a horrible mistake, excuse me, a horrible mistake by the people behind making the film. 
because Ed Gain never said anything like that. In fact, Ed Gain was shy and timid and hardly even spoke at all. That quote was actually a quote from serial killer Ed Kemper. I'm sure as far as the movie went, I'm sure they didn't use the name Ed Kemper because Ed Kemper is not as popular as Ed Gain, obviously. He doesn't have 15,000 movies made about him. Now, you never really do arrive as a serial killer until Slayer writes a song about you, right? And Slayer did write this one about Gain. How long we wait for you to come? I've been here all along. Now that you've arrived, please stay a while. And I promise I won't keep you long. I'll keep you forever. Now this song was on their 1990 record Seasons of the Abyss and is called Dead Skin Mask. One of my favorites by them actually. Some call Seasons Slayer's sellout album, say that three times, Seasons Slayer's sellout album, but I really love that record and I truly believe that they deserve to make some fucking money. So if they did sell out, who gives a fuck? They're Slayer and they did their time. Now in 1940, Ed's father George dies of a heart attack that was allegedly brought on by his love for Jack Daniels. I can relate. Shortly after, just four years later, Ed's only sibling, his older brother Henry, was found dead on their property. When Gain caught fire to the property, now allegedly the fire was accidental in nature. But later Henry's body was exhumed and it was proven that Ed did kill him by hitting him over the head with something and then choking him to death. This is the third murder that Ed was found guilty of and the murder that made him a bona fide serial killer. Perhaps Henry was just getting a little bit too close to dear old mom in Ed's mind. Now Ed's second murder was in 1954. He shot and killed bar owner Mary Hogan. Then later in 1957, he shot and killed hardware store owner Bernice Warden. After murdering both of these women, he drugged their bodies to his truck. He then took them home to his barn. He then skinned them like a deer and decapitated them. The first woman, Mary Hogan, was made into various furniture pieces. The second, Bernice Warden, was still hanging upside down like a skinned deer and decapitated when the police stormed Ed's farm after he became their main suspect. Ed was suspected for not only these two murders, but he was also suspected for vandalizing and removing bodies from the local cemetery. You can see these crime scene pictures if you look them up. Now to back things up, Seven years after Gang killed his brother Henry, his only friend and the love of his life died from her second stroke. Ed Gain's mother passed away at the age of 67. Her name was Augusta, and Ed was completely lost and alone on a big farm with nobody around. Well, I can say nobody around but I definitely cannot say no 
body around. Feel me? After boarding up his mother's room and a few other rooms that she frequented, Ed began talking to his mother as if she was still alive and right there in the house with him, which is why he boarded up the rooms. You see, he could pretend that she was still in them if he couldn't see inside them. Allegedly, he did try to talk back to himself in a female voice when he spoke to her. Within just a few months after her death, Ed began reading some magazines. One magazine in particular showed some lampshades and other furniture that was being made from human skin with tattoos. Now, I guess it was okay because this particular skin came from prisoners, right? After Ed saw this, his curiosity and his boredom and his loneliness all got the best of him. He began to steal bodies and make furniture, lampshades from human faces, a belt made from nipples, bowls made from skulls, facial masks, etc. Ed even had nine vaginas in a shoebox in his bedroom. He had a full, I think he had actually three full body suits that he would wear, which he claimed made him feel like he was his mother. He also had a skull on top of each side of his bed, as like on his bedposts. I mean, you get the idea, right? This guy made Jeffrey Dahmer look like a Disney character. Ed allegedly did all of this between 1947 and 1957. Ten straight fucking years. Now, Ed stated that he never had sex with these bodies because they smelled too badly. And I can only imagine. I've smelled a dead body, and it's about ten times worse than a dead animal. Ed was arrested on November 16th 1957 and he was found guilty in 1968 but he never went to prison. Ed was found guilty by reason of insanity and he was sentenced to life in the Mendota Mental Institution in Wisconsin. He finally died at the ripe age of 77 on July 26, 1984. Thus, he did get to see almost every movie made about him, but he never got to hear the Slayer song, which is a shame. Ed, at this very moment, Halloween 2023, is buried in the Plainfield Cemetery, right next to his mother, Augusta. Feel free to desecrate his grave, dig up and abuse his corpse, and make some home furnishings out of him, if you want. Send me a lamp or a belt or some shit. I'll rock it, you know? And that wraps up this Halloween music and murder episode for 2023. Just remember, all these motherfuckers wearing masks that are all out there around you are all out to get you in one way or another. And even if that makes you paranoid, guess what? They're still out to get you. They're always out to fucking get you. So stay safe carry a gun, and here's some ICP just because it's Halloween, and this song is fucking fire. Good night and happy Halloween, y'all.
45 and the bell went off, thank God Many people think I'm odd, but I talk with no one And I walk alone and I avoid sunlight with a chalky tone I get home and don't say hi, it ain't no one there I don't care, I walk in and go right up the stairs To my room, get in bed and just wait for dark Because that's when a real show starts Tap, tap, tap on a glass, go to piece of ass So young and pretty, it's too bad she passed But she comes to my room and we talk at night She's demonic and bloody, but she holds me tight In my bedroom with her, I'm never alone And I kiss her cold lips until the morning comes And she gone, I can still hear her voice loom But she only exists in the dark of my room Love, I can't ignore you In my room, do anything for you Tap, tap, love, I do adore you In my room, tap, tap, go and Love a ghost and at least that's something She don't talk much when she do it gets cold Usually we just lay there when we hold each other We're lovers, we don't need others One of my mother's cats jumped up on the covers And it scared my baby, guess she don't like pets So I twisted its fucking head off at the neck Look baby, it's bloody, it's gone, it's doomed Please, come back to the room I do anything for thee, don't ignore me This is more than a sick love story Without you I bring a shotgun to school And I will if you want me to For any reason, I hate that you leave when the lights come on And if I had it my way, the fucking sun would be gone love, I can't ignore you In my room Do anything for you, tap, lady tap, love, I do adore you In my room Tap, tap, go and ice Love I can't ignore you In my room Do anything for you, tap, lady tap, love, I do adore you In my room Tap, tap, go and ice Sometimes I kiss her I start shaking She slips me the tongue And it tastes like bacon Uh-oh, something's wrong Baby's upset She told me she was spotted By the neighbor's kid She can't come back now Cause they know our secret Unless I can make them keep it If I do, she may come to life Now I'm in their yard With a shotgun and knife Cut the screen Went in and found the kid Blew a bowl of spaghetti In the side of his head And the daddy was next Running down the hall I shredded his throat And he was quick to fall Tossed the Mossberg And gripped the knife Started stabbing the shit Out of his wife Went home a bloody Mess with a job well done. Tap, tap, Wash up, wait for my baby to tap, come. Tap, I can't ignore you. In my room, do anything for you. Tap, tap, I do adore you. In my room, tap, tap, go and Tap, tap, like always I waited and hated this I created a bloody mess I waited two or three months, four months Waiting for the tap, tap just for once I waited and hated this I created a bloody mess I waited two or three days, four days Waiting for the tap, tap like always I waited and hated this I created a bloody mess I waited two or three months, four months Waiting for the tap, tap just for once I waited and hated Yeah, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not a crackhead, man.